is The Process on Sirius XM Stars, offering guidance and insight into the college admissions process. Now, here are Eric J. Ferda and Eileen cunningham Fikins. Welcome to The Process on Sirius XM Stars. Eric Ferda, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania, here live, Sirius XM Studios in New York City. Last weekend of March, Eileen cunningham Fikins, Director of College Counseling at the Dwight Englewood School in Englewood, New Jersey. Well, hey there. And isn't it wonderful? It's getting warm. Spring has sprung. Uh, you know, lion came in in a lion that March. Now it's getting a little chiller. But in a way, it's even better because it's almost April 1. April 1. Which is the deadline for schools, colleges, and universities to send out their decisions to all those students who are eagerly awaiting. And Eileen, are people still waiting for decisions? Here we are in the process. We always drop into wherever you are in the process, in the college selection process. But right now, we're like in that release of decision phase of the process. Right, for our seniors, right? So any senior who applied to a school under regular decision or who was deferred um, to the regular decision pool, if they applied under early decision or early action will be hearing by April 1. I would say the overall majority of my students have already heard. So last night on the campus of the University of Pennsylvania at 7 o'clock p.m., we released, Eastern Time that is, we released our decisions along with the other Ivy League schools. Early decision, we roll with our decisions whenever we like. For a regular decision, we agree upon a time. 7 p.m., you know why 7 p.m.? Sure, because then those lovely students on the East Coast are out of school and they're not refreshing their screens every five seconds. That's right. We don't want to ruin the school day on the West Coast, so we release at 7 o'clock p.m., and if you're in London, it's just later, and it's always it's another day somewhere. You know, so many other always. schools have jumped on that bandwagon, though, right? And a lot of other institutions besides the Ivy League schools are now using that date and time. Um, and so a lot of the decisions that were sent out electronically last night, they ranged far beyond the eight schools in the Ivy League. Um, so it was interesting because my 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 email was a little quiet this morning, but I was up very early and then out. So I actually want to t- want to talk about that, but also simultaneous with the admission letters, students who fulfilled all their, their requirements for financial aid also received their financial aid award letter. And in studio with us, yay, David Charlo from Access Applied. Great to be here again. David, you're the best. You're the best. And I know that for everyone listening, over the next month, and we want you to give us a call and leave a message at 866-993-8267, 866-993-8267. And, or send us an email at process at SiriusXM.com. And we want to hear from you because... David will be able to address any financial aid questions you might have as well, because along with those admit letters, the financial aid decisions, and sometimes those are really complex and they need to be kind of translated. So hopefully you can help our listeners understand a little bit of that today, Dave. Absolutely. We're going to do a little of that decoding. So let's think about this. Last weekend of March right now, you're going to give us calls over this next month, 866-993-8267, because when we come back together next, we're going to be knocking on the door of the May 1 reply date. Right. So for these families, we'll talk about this is what they're going to do. They're going to be really looking at those schools again. They're going to be revisiting schools. So much for us to cover, but also, Eileen. Yeah. Do you know what this week is? Um, 
The music has nothing to do with are, what it actually is. Are we talking is. about like the NCAA? Sort of it is March Madness. It is March Madness. Yes. Yay. What, what else? What are we are looking at It me. is National Tour Guide Week. Oh, that's right. You told me that earlier. It's, thank you, all those wonderful college tour guides that are out there. We love you. So thank shout you out to service. Kite and Key, the Society of Volunteers that lead Penn's tours. And they're, they're absolutely amazing. And we know that in this process that there are individuals that really have an impact, and it's our tour guides. Absolutely. They're in the front line, right? And they're the ones who are providing that student experience and that student perspective for those students who are visiting your college. And so for all those parents that might be listening or current high school students, make use of that incredibly valuable asset of the tour guide. Really think about questions before you go on a college tour and try to ask those questions that are going to elicit the type of information you're going to need to make a great decision about whether or not a school is a good fit for you. The tour guide is a wonderful resource for that. That's right. We actually, as we read our applications, here's a little something for everyone out there listening to us. We actually check a little box on our application if we feel a student might be a good tour guide. Really? Now, huh. is that going to get you in? No. Probably not. However, if you do, or if you are admitted and you come, and we might say, hey, Eileen, we think you would be a great tour guide. I think that's a really cool idea. I wonder if other colleges talk do about that. inside information on the process. That's pretty cool. Now so, we also second. need to. Ooh. Yeah, that. Oh, that. what? What? What are you pointing to? I'm, I'm pointing to the Chronicle yeah, of Higher right. Education. But there's so there's just so much going on because when you were asking me what week this is, I just got back from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Spring and break. So spring break. Well, going back to the tour guides, we call this the Rolling Spring Break because we have visitors coming through for about six right. weeks, especially with the religious holidays a little bit later. March 1 all the way until like the end of April again tours coming through however what's what's in the news right now well the other thing is everything that's been happening in college admissions over the last few weeks I have no idea what you're talking about oh stop okay but it's it's big and anytime I've met somebody um, whether it was I was walking the beach in Fort Lauderdale or um, in the airport yesterday anytime anyone um, figures out what I do in college counseling, the very first thing they've said is, oh my God, the scandal. Our phones have been very busy. Why don't you give a cliff note version of Okay, so the scandal um, has to do with individuals, parents primarily, who um, used uh, their means to advantage their children in the college application process with the assistance of independent and independent counselor in particular, um, but also in some cases, athletic coaches, in some cases, um, test prep or uh, test proctors for the standardized testing um, that are involved in college admissions. I do want to point out, and I feel very, very strongly about this, that no college admissions professionals. Nobody who works in a college admissions office has been involved in this, nor are any of the colleges themselves um, being sued or, or being held responsible. These are individuals. And I have to say, it, it, I'm so sorry that all of this has happened on many different levels, because for me, it it makes it tawdry right? There's so many phenomenal individuals on both sides of the desk, whether they're on the high school side counseling, whether they're my colleagues that work in college admissions across the country, who are phenomenal individuals who are professional, who are doing this for the right reason. They love 
working with students this age, they feel so strongly about the power of education. That's right. And about their individual institutions. And I and I just hope our listeners realize that this is one insul- this this is one scandal, but there it, it's not the majority of what's going on out there. And there are wonderful, wonderful schools and individuals um, that are above this action. Yeah. The, the same can be said for the independent advisors as well, who Absolutely. are being painted with this brush because of this of one, this one awful bad uh, apple. Exactly. Now it's the magnitude, though, right? It is in, in some ways it exposes really a lot of the concerns that are already out there about college admissions. And, you know, I'll just frame it in a very broad way that individuals may agree with one type of policy, like a legacy policy, but may disagree with affirmative action. Some people may agree with affirmative action, but not feel good about recruited student athletes. There are so many different, I'll call them interests that go into this. And, you know, if you're not tagged in one way or the other, then you're really feeling like you're, you're in the middle or that you're odd man out and you don't have any leverage that, that, in this. that you don't have any leverage while also really thinking about the, the classes that we try to pull together is really having that opportunity that students are going to learn from each other that people with different backgrounds are going to learn from each other while but you have to you have to get in on your own right and and i think it like we've all, all kind of lost sight of the fact that this is about education and the power of education and it doesn't, yes, it matters where you go, sure, depending on what you want to study, but that there are so many phenomenal schools out there that aren't involved in this. And that, you know, this is a very, very, very small slice of the overall admissions process and admissions arena. Um, so I, I just hope our listeners keep that in mind and that they're and kind of keep the path for, for yeah. you yourself and for your child. Absolutely. You know, kind of keeping keeping that kind of that, that keeping focus the perspective. Really. And you know what? Even with uh, I have younger children and they hear this, they know what's going on. And it, it generationally, you know, that, you know, the messages are there about what you need to do. And I think also one final lesson is you're going to get caught. Right. When things are, you know, it, it, they may not be looking in your direction for whatever it is, but then something's going to come out ultimately. And so we have to have integrity through the process and also for students to have integrity while they're they're on our campus. I know we'll be talking about this. I'm sure we're going to be getting questions over the month at 866-993-8267. Happy to address those at the at the end of the month. However, before we go to a break, there's yes. going to be a theme to our music. <gasps> we're is. not going to say what the theme is, but as you're listening to the show, if you can come up with a theme and you email us at the process at SiriusXM.com and just say, hey, Scott, I think this is the theme, then Scott is going to send you some really, really cool swag. Okay? That's the deal. We're heading to break. Be right back. You're listening to The Process on SiriusXM Stars, offering guidance and insight into the college admissions process. Here again are Eric J. Furda and Eileen cunningham Fikin. Welcome back to The Process on SiriusXM Stars. Eric Furda, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania, and Eileen cunningham Fikins, Director of College Counseling at the Dwight Englewood School. We also have our good friend and colleague David Charlo from accessapplied.com, and we are here in the last weekend of March were post decisions that have gone out from many universities over the last week. 
we're going to have to touch on, I think in the second half, we'll talk about wait lists. Let's just we'll talk about decisions. Decisions. Too, Thank right? you. Thank you for just framing decisions. it that way. There's decisions. Decisions. And decisions. certainly for, for many families, they're also receiving their financial aid packages. So in the second half, I think we're going to decode a little bit of the financial aid. But we want to get your calls, 866-993-8267, 866-993-8267. A lot of questions that can come to us over the end of March and the month of April. When we're back with you the last weekend in April, we're going to be knocking on the the May 1 reply date. So a lot of relevant questions as an opportunity over the next month. Or email us. Yes, at the process at SiriusXM.com. So let's do this. Let's go to some of the callers. Hello, my name is Christine, and I am calling about the EOF program. What are the benefits to going EOF as opposed to going in as just, say, a regular undergraduate? Well, for our listeners out there, let's make sure we define what EOF is, which is Education Opportunity Fund. And this is an organization or an entity um, for which students need to qualify both as being educationally and financially disadvantaged, disadvantaged right? And so different and states schools, might have different names for this. Higher right. Education Opportunity Program in New York. I think EOF maybe is what it's called in New York, right? Maybe more in New Jersey, but I'm sure some other states. I mean, they're saying right. very much the same thing. Correct. And I think it's really important to to make sure that you explore and research what these different programs mean in different states and what they mean at different institutions. Um, Dave, in your previous role as Director of Financial Aid for Columbia, can you go into a little bit more detail as to how that would change uh, how a student is looked at? Uh, Yes. So um, it it starts actually in the application process, and it's a collaborative review from admissions and financial aid Mm -hmm. because the student needs to be you know, educationally disadvantaged and 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 really um, not admissible by the stand by, by the normal standards usually of the school. So they're they're just underneath. They 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 it, they're judged to be you know very well um, positioned to succeed at the school with a little extra. A lot support. of promise and potential. I mean, Correct. that's there. Right. It's, right. Right. it's it's about it's about potential and 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 the the benefits of the program are uh, additional academic support and better financial aid packages and sometimes. Uh, an extra semester or two um, to graduate with your financial aid, depending on the on the state on the state program. But um, you know what I think the first thing to do when you're deciding whether to check the box that you're interested in it is to look at the student's credentials relative to the overall oh, the overall admitted pool. pool. So right. if your student is 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 solid and strong relative to the the previous admitted class, you know they're not going to be admitted into the opportunity program. Not because of finances, but because of the academic right, right. profile. And then on the financial side, the states are very, very strict right. about their about the financial criteria uh, you need to qualify. Strict, so, but is it also is is it is it outlined? Can yeah, you yeah. understand it? Right. So strict, but by strict I mean it's very clearly defined. Okay. Okay. So okay. you can see if you don't have if, you know if your income is above X, you're not you, you don't you're not going to qualify. And sometimes those bars are very, very low. Mm-hmm. You know, in, right. in New York for for HEOP. Uh, your New York State uh, AGI has to be adjusted know, gross income. It's but it's New York State 
version okay, gotcha. of that. Um, and HEOP a, actually stands for Higher Education Opportunity Program, program is, in yeah, New York. So it's the same. It's, it's, it's probably same very similar across states. Animal with just a different stripe. Correct. Now, okay. if I remember when we worked together at Columbia, Dave, that there's also academic support throughout the students for years, as well as a bridge program, which we'll define for, for everybody listening, that maybe before you actually start with your new student orientation or the beginning of the fall semester or whatever semester you're beginning, that you might have four weeks to six weeks Correct. to kind of ramp in. Right. Correct. Correct. Academic prep work. Yes. Academic prep. That's right. So you come in early, you know, you do some, some additional prep. You have, there's a special advising office, dedicated opportunity advisors. Mm -hmm. um, and if you are admitted into the program, um, you have to you agree. Have to you have to agree to all of these all right. these criteria. You have to ascend, you have to attend the summer program. You can't say, yeah, I'd love this, but I don't want to come until orientation. Got it. So I think it really depends. Then, Christine, thank you so much for calling in with this question. But I think it really depends on uh, what schools you're thinking of applying to, what state they're in, where you live as a resident, and what will help you qualify or maybe disqualify you in terms of um, the financial bars, right, or levels. Um, so I hate to say it, but it depends. Yes. So, um, and I think you're going to hear that well, a lot when it comes to- schools have this, though? I mean- No. Well, because they don't have the funding, or they just don't- you know, Again, some schools might do it on their own. Some okay. schools might do it with the support of a, of a state program. But I guess also, um, to, to flip the coin over um, uh, to the positive side from what we talked about a little earlier, to you know, lower income and first generation students, this is a great question because it it, right. it it tells you don't be afraid to aim high. You know, don't look Absolutely. at the sticker That's price. The, the sticker price might seem crazy. It's seventy five thousand dollars a year, but it might be free for you to go to these schools, and you can do it academically, uh, right? If, you know, with, with the extra support in in many cases. So don't dismiss a set of schools without researching programs like this. That's right. And a lot of this information can be found online as well. I mean, so if you've got a great college or guidance department in your in your high school, take advantage of that. Be proactive. And if you don't understand the answer after you ask a question, ask the question again. Ask it a third time. Really be proactive about trying to figure out what programs you might be eligible for and how to go about applying for those. For, for me, one of the joys of being on this program is being able to spread the news, so to speak, to, to be a little bit more democratic about getting this information out out it's so that our listeners feel empowered and maybe have a, a broader access to some of the educational opportunities that are out there. And if you don't have um, a great counseling office in your high school, ask the colleges. That's right. Perfect. That's right. Great question, Christine. Give us a call over the month, 866-993-8267, 866-993-8267. Let's go to the next caller. Hi, my name is Jennifer, and I'm calling from the San Francisco Bay Area. I have 16-year-old uh, twin girls, and they've both tested out of high school by taking the proficiency test. They're attending junior college and will probably have their AA degrees by the time they're 18. And I know in California they can go directly, it, there's automatic acceptance into the UC system to certain schools. They'll probably go outside that. But is there something that they should be doing since they're not going to be taking the SATs um, it's something that they should be doing to make them a little more attractive for the colleges, probably outside the state. Thank you so much. So remember when I just said it depends? This is a perfect case of 
it depends, right? So some colleges will want to see how much credit your daughters um, have accrued, and they might use that as the basis for a decision for admission. Other colleges might still want to see a standardized test score um, because they're trying to gauge um, how your daughters would fare versus other applicants um, and have a, a more broad-based standard of comparison with a, a standardized test. Correct. Eric, what's your take on this? This is an interesting question. It, it is, and I think in the framework of everything that we've been talking about today is there are so many paths to higher education, particularly as there's this fixation on maybe 30 to 40 schools. And one of the pieces that I wrote and submitted to the Chronicle of Higher Education was really about the multiple paths for education. Mm -hmm. What does credentialing look like? And here you have states like California, like Texas, like parts of Florida, where the community college system and the two-year system is, it's not just a gateway to the four-year. In this question, we also have from Jennifer that it's part of the enrichment of the high school curriculum as well, dual right. curriculum. So instead of feeling like it needed to be AP courses, a way to go beyond the high school, traditional high school curriculum, taking college level courses, and perhaps, as in this case, getting your associate's degree along the way. And so that's a pretty defined path, particularly within the UC system. I really think to her question, to Jennifer's question is, if you're looking at a certain set of institutions, then you're going to need to take the SAT or the ACT. Right. And as you've always said on the show, Eileen, there's a whole set of colleges that are test optional. Correct. So if those are the schools that are on the list, then you don't have to take them. So you know, there you get into your, it depends. Right. But it's it's interesting that you bring up the community college aspect. And it's not just in the state of California. You know, like I'm thinking where I live up in Rockland County, there are a number of students at public high schools who are t availing themselves of coursework. Community at College of Rockland, Philadelphia. Yeah, as Rockland well. Community College. I know Queensboro Community College. They're all over the place. And, and when I worked at NYU and I oversaw transfer admission, I remember there were a lot of students that came to us from community colleges who had... Um, earned a really great GPA, and they were then eligible for Phi Theta Kappa, which is the, honorary, right, the honorary Society, Society for Community Colleges. And they would come in with an automatic, I, at that point, I think it was $2,500 scholarship, a PTK scholarship. Was that per year? That was so, per year. Amazing. Right? So, I mean, there are so many different avenues. You're right, Eric. David, did you want to weigh in on this a little? Uh, yeah, a couple other um couple of factors where it will depend. One is, um, are you applying as a new student or a transfer student? And the other is, um, how much of this community college credit will the institution actually accept? Yeah. And that's going to vary That's going to vary college to college. David, I think that's in a the, great point. Yeah, the UC system, I think it's pretty codified. Yeah, it, it's absolutely. Right? Prereqs or... But private right. schools and other state systems, it's Most not, colleges will want you to accrue your last or your final at least 60 credits or the last two yeah. years worth of credit. That's if you're a transfer student. As a transfer uh, student, you know, it's exactly. It's going to depend on what experience they want. Are they trying for four years or, or just two? Exactly. And so. another piece here that's interesting, David, is that Jennifer has twins. Right. Now, that's impacting financial aid as well. Absolutely. You know, again, depending on the school, you know, having, you know, the, the need-based financial aid formula. And they don't even have to go to the same school. I'm no, just saying no, exactly. two in college. If, if you're applying to, to colleges that, that award uh, a lot of need-based institutional grants, the, the formula 
uh, is gener- more gen- much more generous to families that have multiple students uh, in undergraduate schools simultaneously. Uh, so that's a, you know, if we all knew that, we would have had our kids one after the other. Um, so they were all in school at the same time. But you don't want to have them spaced You four took years romance apart. right out of it, Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Family planning by the process. That's right. Um, that's right. Okay, so here, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I have a question. I hope that's okay. Uh, twins, right? So there are a lot of twins out there. So when twins are applying to the same institution... Are there Jennifer? We are just riffing on your question, so ask Thank one for you, next month Jen. too. You just hey, like you Jen, packed a lot in my there. My girl, Con from San Fran. Um, so here's the question, Eric: If you have twins in a pool, do, do, do you go for let's try and admit both of them? I mean, are, I mean, I know that they have to be seen as individual applicants, but seeing as there are more twins in the population now. Um, than ever before for a variety of reasons. But um, <laughs> I'm just wondering how that's viewed in college admissions circles. Well, I, I think even in your letters as you know, a director of college counseling, it, it depends on, and I'm going to get off of that, that phrase is stuck in my mind now, but it really, I think signals are sent to the college admissions office. If one student applies in the twin set, applies early decision to Penn, and the other applies regular decision, they don't necessarily feel like they need to be with each other. Correct. I think sometimes we're sent signals that they're each applying either early or regular or un- under any plans out there. And they may speak to their identity in this way. You may speak to through a, a letter of re- recommendation in mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. So signals are sent to us. And I think it's kind of eerie in a way. Most of the time, they are like almost identical in terms of credentials too. I know. Now there are times, which I'm sure this is an interesting dynamic for you know siblings, let alone you know twins, is that there's a pretty big gap. They're different students and maybe have different interests, and so when they're really close, you should probably make the same decision. If either because they're applying under different plans, they're sending us that signal, or just academically and intellectual interests, they're very different. You may see two different decisions. Okay, interesting, because I remember when my son was a senior in high school, I worked with three sets of twins in his graduating class. Amazing. And each of them went, each set of twins split. But I have had instances where I've had twins who really do want to go to the same institution. So it's just in the back of my mind a question that I've always kind of had. So pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Jennifer, thanks for the question. You're listening to the process on Sirius XM Stars 109. Eric Furta, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania. Eileen Cunningham Feigens, Director of College Counseling at the Dwight Englewood School. And David Charlo from Access Applied. And we are taking your questions 866 993 8267. Let's go back to the calls. Hello, my name is Michelle. I am calling from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I have a question uh, about the process. My question is, uh, I am asked to write letters of recommendation quite a bit, and so what key things are you looking for in a letter of recommendation? Thank you so much. Well, I have a question. Is is Michelle in the high school community? Is she a teacher? Is she it a sounds, guidance counselor? It sounds like she is. It sounds like she's an educator, and in either way, she's interacting with students that are applying to college. Maybe a coach, maybe a teacher, maybe a college counselor, maybe works for a community-based organization. So we can take this in a lot of different directions. But certainly someone that seems to connect with young people, 17, Mm 18-year-olds, and is seen as a trusted source. So here's a great 
way to look at why there are teacher recommendations and why there are recommendations written by a college counselor and how they differ. I know when I sit down to write a letter of recommendation for a student, I'm looking at that student in the context of our school community. So I'm looking at the 360 degree. I'm looking at the wide angle lens. You know, I'm looking at the characteristics and the qualities that the student brings to our community, their involvement in extracurricular activity, their leadership, um, what their particular home situation might be like and how that has impacted or not their educational journey throughout high school. My understanding of the teacher letter of recommendation is very different. And it's interesting because I think some teachers feel compelled to write that 360 degree letter. And they don't need to. They don't see them necessarily in that setting. So, you know, when Eric, when you're reading a teacher rec, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're really looking to see who is that student in that discipline, in that classroom, those um, habits of learning or student profile, as opposed to the more um, zoom out Correct. Correct. So that they work off each other. Not as broad as a citizen of the school, both academic, social, extracurricular, but with for the teachers just really focusing in. And I love when students are maybe courageous enough to ask a teacher who maybe they have a relatively lower grade where the teacher can say, you know, not just, okay, you know, this student is breezing through my class and one of the best ever in my career. It's, you know, seeing the student struggle and work through something can tell us a little bit more because Quite honestly, it doesn't matter what your grades are in high school. You're going to struggle in making that transition That's and going point. to college. That's a good point. No, I was just going to ask exactly that question. My my um, impression was that the teacher recs um, should show intellectual and academic profile of the student. Absolutely. And, and I think it, it is exactly true that it doesn't have to be the two classes that you have the highest grades. And, right. and I think and, it, and it should shouldn't probably, be. Maybe yeah. shouldn't be. Yeah. Exactly. When I talk to my juniors about thinking Uh, ahead and who they would like to ask to write letters on their behalf in the college process. I always encourage them to pick teachers from different disciplines so they don't double dip in the same department. A lot of alliteration with that last. Um, But also more recent teachers. So or teachers that they've had more recently. So from junior year, not a senior year teacher unless they've had that teacher previously because let's think about it. If they're applying early, that gives the teacher about six weeks to get to know them in their classroom. That's a really short span of time, right? But also not to go back to somebody who had them freshman year unless they retaught that student later on so they have a fresher perspective. When it comes to outside letters of recommendation from a coach or a a volunteer supervisor or boss, I think that that's a really interesting aspect as well because they're seeing the student from a different perspective in a different context. Absolutely. So colleges don't necessarily want more of the same. But, you know, if, if I'm looking at my students as the diamonds that they are, they shine most brightly when light is refracted through the different facets of who they are. And so that way a coach or a supervisor can speak about, let's say, their level of responsibility or their initiative to take on additional responsibility in a work setting. That's fantastic. You're listening to The Process on Sirius XM Stars 109, live from New York City, end of March, last weekend of March, 866-993-8267. Let's take another call. Hi, my name is John, and I'm the parent of a high school student. And my question was, if a student applies early decision in a binding situation, is he or she less likely to get merit aid because they've already committed to go to that school if they are admitted? Thank you. John, that's a great, that's a great question. That's a great Charlo, question. Dive in and, there. and the answer will be, it varies 
from school instead to school. Instead of it depends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that nice twist there. Okay. Uh, that, that core curriculum at Columbia is really serving you well. Exactly. So, so um, let's also, uh, I want to address the merit issue as well as the need-based aid issue because a lot of the schools that have binding early decision award uh, a lot of, uh, of need-based aid. And for those schools, it's almost certain that you will receive the same financial aid package early than you will regular. Uh, with with schools that uh, award merit scholarships, it really is going to vary school to school. And many schools will be very clear on their uh, on their website. You have to find it where they say you are not punished, if you will, for applying early, showing us. And there may be different deadlines level. for this as well, which tend to be early for some. It, it, yeah, different schools, if especially if there are uh, you know big presidential or full tuition mm-hmm. scholarships, yes. those are going to be different deadlines and different processes, and those will almost certainly be the same for early decision and regular decision okay. that, that you know th- those types of awards um you know other schools uh, that uh, that have merit awards and are worried about just this because they don't want to discourage strong students interested students from applying early if if yeah, the school's right. the first it, really, choice. it doesn't serve them well it, it's well, not smart it, it, it doesn't so it, it will it will uh, probably be reflected on the, uh, on the website and if it's not you should ask Right. You know, ask ask someone in the admissions office. You know, someone you know, somewhat up the, a ladder. You know, what what is your policy? Are are we going to be um, at a disadvantage if we show you early decision love? Hmm. That's that, that's a great way of putting it. You're listening to the process on SiriusXM Stars eight six six nine nine three eight two six seven. We're going to head to a break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Process on Sirius XM Stars, offering guidance and insight into the college admissions process. Here again are Eric J. Furda and Eileen cunningham Fikin. Welcome back to The Process, Sirius XM Stars. Eric Furda, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania. Eileen cunningham Fikins, Director of College Counseling at the Dwight Englewood School last month in March. Ivy League decisions went out uh, at the end of this past week, and also financial aid letters are part of those packages, as long as people send in their information. So David, help our listeners, the students, the parents, some individuals that even with degrees, these pieces can be confusing, and certainly for first-generation families looking at this, right. decode. Can you break it down for break us, Break it down, Dave? break it down, break it down. Uh, I, will, I will break it down. Unfortunately, uh, there's no standard format for financial aid award letters. And many of them are incomplete or confusing or misleading or all of the above. Um, so you want to you want to look for specific information uh, which may not be on the award letter. You might have to chase it down and then do some very simple math to get to the net price, which is the discounted price that 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 the school is is offering to you. So you can compare apples to apples from across schools, and you can see so which net price is what they say they charge, and then what so, they're offering so net, you. Yeah, so what net price is sticker price, sticker price minus discounts. So right. when you translate that into into jargon of uh, you know admissions and financial aid, it's the cost of attendance, tuition and fees, room and board, books and supplies, personal expenses, and travel. Mm-hmm. So those you know th- those components you know, will will on a good award letter. The top of it will have all of that. Okay. Some letters will have none of it, and you've got to chase it down from the website, or it'll be in a, in a pamphlet. Some will have just the build cost, the standard cost of tuition fees and room and board, but not the the all other the real expenses, all so the right. incidentals like books and personal expenses, travel, etc. So you've got to chase down the components of of sticker price of cost of attendance. Then you've got to look at this award section, which might be a mishmash of grants and scholarships plus loans and work 
and in many cases, unfortunately, a federal parent loan, a PLUS loan. So another quick piece of advice is if there's a PLUS loan on the letter, cross it out. It's not a student award. It's not financial aid. It may be something the family goes back to as a parent loan, as a financing option to pay your share at the end of the road. But but first thing, cross but it out. But it's not money from the university. And it looks confusing. It looks like an award in many cases on many award letters. So cross off the parent loan. Then looking at the awards section, which is going to have everything and mm-hmm. maybe not mm-hmm. itemized or sorted and maybe in acronyms or abbreviations, try to figure out what's a grant and what's a scholarship. That's your discount. Cost of attendance minus those discounts is your net price. If there's a federal student loan or student employment or work on the letter, those are good uh, you know, good um, student awards that help the student pay the net price. But so, it's not free money. It's not a discount. It does not. It doesn't reduce your cost. It helps you pay what's remaining af- after the discounts. Got it. So you have some work to do um, in in many cases to just to do this math, um, and you may have to do you do additional research. So that's the decoding portion of uh, of the award letter process. And for all those listeners out there who um, feel comfortable or maybe not so comfortable. Be comfortable asking your college counselor or guidance office to help you figure this out. And also, don't be shy about calling those financial aid offices at the colleges um, that awarded these letters, right? I mean, this is important information. This is this could be a deal breaker for certain, um, you know, great that you got into the college, but you got to get there financially. Right. right? And that, that speaks to a couple couple of other issues. So do the work first. But if you don't understand something, if, if there's an acronym or an abbreviation, you don't know whether this is a loan or a grant or scholarship, ask. Great. Ask that. Okay. Then also, with respect to your grants and scholarships, read the fine print. Because you, you've got four years, hopefully only four years of, of college, and you want to know um, if these are renewable and on what basis. Is there a GPA requirement? Is do you have to stay in a major? You know, there might be some fine print um, on, on the grants and scholarships. You want to know okay. uh, they, it, it's it's less common because it's considered unethical for there to be a freshman only award, but it still does happen. So right. if that's the case, you got to know that it's just not going to be there uh, either sophomore year. And then once you've untangled all this and you've got your your net prices, your apples across the schools, you can see which are more affordable, and hopefully mm-hmm. uh, one mm-hmm. is. Um, but if 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 you don't have something that's affordable or it's a stretch, don't be afraid to appeal for oh, more so financial aid. That okay. So that's the next. You know that that's the. And next are you providing of- more information on that appeal, or do yes. you just feel that something was miscalculated? So, no, I mean it, it's it's usually it, it could be that uh, you know, but it could be the way the school awards financial aid. They might have scarce resources. They might have a a stricter formula for mm-hmm. how they apply uh, their need based awards. Um, so a couple couple things quickly there. Don't be afraid to appeal. Be polite and respectful. Uh, and respectful because it's a stressful time for everyone, including in financial aid offices or admissions offices. Um, figure out whether the award is merit based or need based because you might need to send the appeal to both admissions and financial aid if it's merit based. Okay. Um, don't be afraid to to talk about your financial circumstances though. Um, you in, need to in, share in the information. Cases. You need to share the information. And remember that for those of you that applied for need-based aid and did the FAFSA and or the CSS profile, those forms asked you to, to provide a financial snapshot that's two years old. You, you should, they asked right. you for 2017 tax and information. circumstances could have so changed. So you might have other circumstances that have changed. Your income has changed. Lots of things could have changed. So be specific and clear in your letter. Document wherever possible. Changes in income. Maybe you have to support grandparents at non-discretionary 
costs. Right. But also employment status might have shifted for a parent, obviously. You, know? you might have lost a job. Then perhaps there's uh, been less overtime. Right. You know, lot, lots of things. Lots of things can happen. Uh, and then also you might have be taken care of a of, of, an, of, older of, relative. of an older relative. There's... So I've got a question to, to, you know, kind of piggyback on that. If I'm writing an appeal letter, is it fair game then to cite how much more money I'm going to really need to make it? What you like, feel is reasonable? Right. Like if like if I say, I just need more money, more money, more money. No, no, you, or mm-hmm. should I put a cap on that? Should I say $5,000 will make this feasible for our family? What's your take on that, Dave? You know, I, I like the idea of... of of being, you know, honest about how much you need. You, right. By the way, you 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 can also feel free to show other school award that letters. That was my next. Okay, question. okay, and, so and, that and, might be more this overlap situation. So so, so let's and, describe that. You, so sometimes you have a more generous award from another school, and again, schools are going to have different policies about how they address um, other school award letters, uh, and sometimes they'll be clear about it on their website. Uh, so some many of the most selective schools will say, um, "We will entertain a match, or we will match." a better award from a very similar school. So Ivy League school to Ivy League school or other very highly selective schools. Schools that all um, are right. merit-based, let's say, so, but, and but, not have, or, yeah, so, but then or need-based, I'm sorry. Need-based, right. Say, need-based. You guys need-based. offer merit-based scholarships. So, um, but, see that, but that's a good segue to what I was going to say next, which is that you know they're not going to match you know the, the, the merit scholarship, the full ride from the state school or another private school that is maybe less selective. Um, show it to them anyway so they can see that you have another option. Can't hurt, but don't go in there as, like this is a hardcore negotiation saying, you know, that you're not buying a car here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just, you know, show them the letter, but realize that schools are not necessarily going to uh it is kind of to, apples to, uh, to oranges in some it, it cases. It can be, but yeah. then again, you might have a merit award from school B that is in the same band as as the school you want to go to. Maybe they compete against each other. So don't don't be afraid to to show the the letter. And You're listening to the process on Sirius XM Stars. Sorry about that, Eileen. I have one more question. Absolutely. Well, not a question, but just a comment, right? And and this gets back to advice that you've given us before, Dave. And it's such great advice that I feel compelled to bring it up. This advice now in decoding uh, financial aid packages is really geared to our senior families who are receiving these letters now. Absolutely. But junior and sophomore families, take heed, right? Because you don't want... You don't want to wait until you get to this point in the process. I'm, I'm you, loving this, Eileen. This I is, know. Uh, this is Keep free, going. Dave. Keep going. <laughs> um, you want to make sure that the matches that you're looking for in terms of colleges are those that are going to be financially feasible for your your child, right? So that you don't get down this far on the garden path, have an admit in hand, and not be able to attend because of financial Is that reasons. where the net price calculator Correct. comes yeah. or Yes. Is there a connect, connection there, you, disconnect? You, you're connecting the dots perfectly. Okay. So every school will have that net price estimator. Thank you again, you're Eileen. Welcome. So as you're, as, you're, as you're forming your list early on, financial fit. Financial fit should, is key. Should be That's on, right. Uh, should, it should be on, on the list. You know, cost is the fifth C on the Eric's blog C. now. That's right. Oh, I so, thought we were uh, going to get through a show without talking about the blog. I have a blog, page217.org. I mean, have you checked out? So, I, I even put a blog not, about not our today. decision I release yesterday. At it today. I thought I was like on I, your feed. I, I'll, I'll get it to it later. <laughs> Can I now tell everyone what show they're listening to? You're listening to the process on SiriusXM Stars 109 866 993 8267. 
Give us a call throughout the month. I bet there's going to be more questions about financial aid packages as we head into the last weekend of yeah. April. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, so and, clear your calendar, yeah, Charlotte. And since, yeah, I, I absolutely <laughs> will. But since that'll be last minute, just a couple other quick uh, words of advice. Don't be um, in a rush to deposit at, at a school and then appeal. So you wait, because if you've deposited, they're going to see that and they're going to read that as we're, you're coming anyway. Um, and you're just trying to get a little bit more money. So you have till May 1st, so don't wait till the last minute, but don't deposit right away if you're in the Well, because you have to keep your options open, aid. too, because you're saying it's not feasible. Right. 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 So we talked about financial aid and decoding. Let's talk about decisions overall. Decisions. So decisions, decisions, decisions. So last night, Ivy League schools posted their decisions at 7 p.m. I'm sure others did as well. It's just yep. that we do this in concert yep. as a league. And then, you know, here we are on the last weekend of March, a lot of decisions being compared. But one of those decisions, as we were talking out in the lobby before, when we saw Ben Platt, by the way. That was kind of cool, kinda right? Kind of cool, right? I was Very like, hey, cool. hi, Ben Platt. I'm Eric. Hi, uh, he's like, yeah, hi, nice yeah. to see you. He was, really, he, was really, he was a really sweet guy. You can't imagine how many people come up to him every day and say hi. Anyway. Anyway, I digress. The wait list. The wait list. Yep. WL baby wait list. Okay. So for all our That's listeners That's like a maybe there, to the prom, right? It, <sighs> okay. So here's the deal. This is what I've experienced this year and, and last year to a certain extent as well. To talk about wait list, I think we also have to talk about yield. And the term yield means the conversion yield of Yield is an album by Pearl Jam, by the way. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yes. Okay, back to the process. Okay, so yield is the term that um, looks at the admit conversion to enrolled, right? The yield on your admits. So my understanding by talking to a lot of my colleagues on your side of the desk, Eric, is that- We um, like to think of it as one big round table. It is a round table. <laughs> okay, so um, yields have shot up at certain schools, meaning um, some schools came in with a little bit larger freshman class last year than they anticipated because their yield Go went through the roof. Go out a little bit more conservatively right. the next year. So this year what I'm seeing is that more schools are really coming in conservatively because they want to be able to visit their wait Have you list. heard that across institutions? I have. That's okay. what I am saying. You know, it's so interesting because yeah. you get info that I don't. I know. There's only um, so many beds. But I don't have a blog. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on that. But so this is an interesting thing. A, a wait list is not a deny. It's not an admit, but it's not a hard, fast deny. So for students who receive that wait list offer, the most important thing for them to do is to decide whether or not they want to stay on the wait list. And they shouldn't just reflexively do that. Yes. Right? I think people And what about in... multiple wait lists? Well, that that's the other else. thing. Well, first, getting back to the wait list, students typically have one or two reactions. One, they kick them to the curb, right? And be like, well, you don't want me now. Well, I don't want you. Right? And so they get all kind of hoity about they it. They say it that way, too? They do. Totally. Um, or... All of a sudden, they want to go to that school above all else because they weren't admitted outright. And I don't even know what the psychology behind that is, but the cookie <laughs> jar is higher on the shelf. So all of a sudden, that becomes their number one choice, right? So I think they have to take a big breath. They have to look at the overall composition of their college list. Why were the schools initially on their list? And they should expect, if they have a well-rounded list, to have some denies as well as admits as well as wait lists. Do they go after each wait list? I don't know. I don't think they should feel compelled to unless what they're saying is, if you take me off your wait list, I will enroll. And how can you say that to multiple institutions? And you really do. You kind of get fatigued by this process at this point as well. And one thing that I've noticed is that by 
early June, mm-hmm. students have started embracing the institutions right. that are in front of them. It's a it's a short window at that point. And they have to deposit somewhere by May 1. Even if they're holding their spot on the wait list, they have to have a home by May 1. So that's the other decision of the schools to which they were admitted. Where are they going to deposit by May 1? Because any college is not necessarily going to know if they're going to be able to go to their wait list until, say, maybe the end of the first week of May. So let's cue this up at the end of the show. Here we are the last weekend of March. The process, Sirius XM Stars, 109-866-993-8267. Or the process at SiriusXM.com. I love that. And so we want to hear your questions over the next month. The context right now is that admission decisions have been received, decoding financial aid packages, a lot going on in the world of college admissions with the Varsity Blues, with Operation Varsity Blues. So we know that you're going to have questions over the month. I do have to say, though, that I cheated on you a little bit yesterday, Eileen. That, I know. I, that I was, heard. I was on business radio powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Huntsman Hall, Penn's campus. That's where we started. Career Talk? Was that Career what? Talk with yep. Dr. Dawn Graham. Yep. She's a rock star. So for everyone listening, please take a look at Career Talk. Her show's being played much over the next week. A couple of questions that came in about careers, one about college uh, admissions. It was a lot of fun. You're a rock star too, Eileen. Thank you, Dave. No, no, no ab- absolutely. There's so much going on. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much going on. And a shout out to all of our student volunteers because it is Tour Week it's Appreciation. Tour Guide Appreciation Week. And a shout out to Macy, who I met down in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, nice. She goes to Celine High School and she's just starting on the college process. So she's already planning her college tours. So, and what I year is she in? What grade she's in? a junior. She's a junior. So, okay. Macy, good luck on those college tours. Your dad, Marlon, I know is so excited. And I hope you guys call in with some questions as well. That's fantastic because we want to hear from you on the process series XM Stars 866 993 8267. And Scott, the we theme. Love you, Scott. We love you, Scott Marlowe. This is what's going to happen, though. After people hear this last song, I want you to check that email, the process at SiriusXM.com, to see if someone could get the theme this week of what kind of strings these three songs what together. Them? What connects what them? Connects them? And do, do you, you want to give them a hint at all? Well, I don't know. Is, they might not know the song. It is song. the last weekend in March, so there is so something else you, going you, you on You have March Madness, NCAA. which is a big event. Right. But something else as well. Something else as well in the non-sports arena. We had opening day of baseball yesterday, right? Phillies rocked it. Yeah. Yankees rocked it. A lot going on. What There's the Sox a lot do? rocking what, what, and rolling right your, your, now. Your socks lost? They do. They did. Okay, I feel bad for you. It's the first, first game of a like a 500 game season. It's, I think it'll be okay. Charlo, thank you so much for coming in studio. David Charlo, as because always, always a pleasure. Supplied. We love that. Eileen Cunningham Fikens, Director of College Counseling at Dwight the Dwight Englewood, Englewood School. School. Hey, Eric, we'll see each other again in a month. Until then, stay well and keep those calls coming in, people. We want to know what's what's percolating in your brains. Perfect. Have a great weekend. End of March.